Welcome to Transformational Pathways, a podcast created by Toastmasters District 46 in the greater New York area, where we share conversations from influencers within the Toastmasters community and people whose lives have positively transformed by walking down the Toastmasters path. Whether you're just getting started in your career, have had recent career changes, or you're navigating different languages, we're here to help you build confidence by discovering new tools, overcoming your fears to find your voice, and engaging in a thriving community. Enjoy today's episode. Hello! Welcome to another episode of Toastmasters District 46 Transformational Pathways Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Mason, and walking the pathway with me today is our guest, Brene Robinson. Brene is a CPA and an acquisitions associate with the Institutional Advisory Group, an advisory real estate company that engages with C-suite executives and business owners on a daily basis to develop a pipeline of commercial real estate properties. She has also been a Toastmaster for a number of years and held a whole host of leadership roles. Renee, welcome to the show. Good to have you. Thanks, Scott. I'm definitely excited to be here. We are very, very excited too. Renee, I've just got to start by asking, where are you from? Originally, I grew up in a town called Austining, New York. It's in Westchester County. Maybe people know the, the landmark of Sing Sing Prison. So that's where I grew up. I currently live in Harlem now. I love it. How has it been being a young person from a small town living in the big city? It's, uh, it, you know, it's interesting because uh, when I graduated college, I said I never wanted to live in New York City ever. <laughs> I love to visit, but I just wanted to go back to the suburbs and, you know, have my grass, my trees. And <laughs> I'm hurt. <laughs> All right. So my first job out of college, you know, I was working in White Plains, which is close to where I live in Austin, and I got laid off. And I just thought most of the opportunities were in New York City. So I ended up, you know, uh, getting a job out here and ended up moving out here. But I was definitely uh, very fearful in it. Actually, my icebreaker speech seven years ago was about me moving towards my fair by moving to the big city of New York. I remember I just I didn't take the subways. I was still like sneak on the Metro North. I was very just very uncomfortable. <laughs> but after a time, I, I became more I became more comfortable with the city, and I've grown to really love it. Um, I've grown so much. I've met so many great people. So I definitely um, very I'm very happy I got laid off from that job. <laughs> so I I would have never grown into the person I am today. So. I, I, isn't, I it loving, loving isn't, isn't it amazing sometimes how losing your job can be the best thing that's ever happened to you in your whole life? I mean, yes. it, I, it blows me away sometimes. <laughs> yes, yes. One door closes, another opens, right? It's so true. Now, Brene, I heard a little rumor about you that I just want to confirm. Is it true that you were involved in Toastmasters in college? Yes, it is very true. I was recommended by a mentor. I was part of an internship program called Inroads, and you know, I spoke about, about my weakness of public speaking. And my mentor recommended me to Toastmasters, so I joined. Uh, it was my last. It was my grad school year. I joined for one year of uh, Syracuse University Toastmasters, and um, then I took a six-year break. <laughs> t- 
talk to us a little bit about what it was like when you went to your first Toastmasters meeting. Were you nervous? Did you just step into the room and start giving table topics left and right? What was it like? To be honest, I don't really recall my first meeting. It was so many years ago. But I'll say oh. this, I, I, and, I, and I've spoken about this in some speeches. I was the most passive member. I would pretty much just show up to the meetings and just kind of sit there. I like when table topics would come on, I would like literally make myself smaller so they wouldn't pick on me. Anytime I did a speech was when like someone asked me, hey, do you want to speak? Do you want to do a role? So I was a very, very passive member. But I did, you know, I did do a few speeches in a year and I actually was more comfortable doing table topics when I was younger. Just, I think my brain was just a little bit fresher. Um, but yeah, you know, I was very nervous. I had a really bad quiver. Um, but, you know, I did a year and it kind of planted a seed for me to eventually return to Toastmasters. So you finished school. Mm-hmm. You started your professional life. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your professional journey and what ultimately led you to have that Toastmasters comeback? It's actually an amazing story. Another speech that I, I gave at a contest. But uh, so I started. Uh, I started my my career as an accountant, or specifically an auditor. Um, I spent about I say six, seven, seven years as a CPA, and then I made this crazy jump into fitness um, yeah and honestly being a toastmaster helped me with that journey because i was a personal trainer and i was doing it part-time when i worked at my last corporate job with the city it was the department of health and uh one of my you know colleagues he said you know you should you should teach the classes that they have at, at the department and i'm like no i'm not a group fitness instructor i'm a personal trainer and he didn't really understand the difference because he was from a different country I'm like no 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 i don't want to do it you know i do personal training because i was a little bit terrified of group fitness um but he ended up encouraging me to do it and i honestly love i loved it you know and i kind of felt like it was just like giving a speech so i became very comfortable with it and like the only time i really enjoy my job is when i'm teaching this class i have to go Mm. pursue my passion of going teaching fitness full-time so i left my corporate job to jump into fitness uh full-time so i was in a corporate fitness center here in new york for about three years and that's what i did full-time and then from there, mm. I transitioned into real estate, which is, you know, again, the, the people business. Yeah. Um, so that was my career, my journey from accounting uh, to fitness to now real estate. And it's an amazing story how I <laughs> rejoined Toastmasters. So it's about seven years now. Um, my grandma had passed away. And my family's from Jamaica, West Indies. So mm-hmm. um, they have, instead of a wake, it's more like a party celebration. They had the night before the funeral. Mm. So we're, you know, it was just a long night. We're, Pretty much, long story short, myself, my brother, my mom, we didn't get any sleep that night between the party and we had a you know, pixel went up at the airport, like across the island. We got stopped by the cops. We literally made it back to the funeral just in time for it to start. Wow. And my brother walks in and one of my family members says, hey, you know, Jason, are you ready to give your tribute speech? You're going to speak first. And Jason's like, what's a tribute? <laughs> So no one told him that he was going to be speaking wow. at the funeral. And he wow. literally has a few minutes to, you know, pull something together. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. So what? I mean, talk about low stakes, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, grandma's funeral? Yeah. Yes. Grandma's funeral. Yeah. So, oh. yes, it was. Um, But, you know, he. What happened? I know. I guess no one. Someone just forgot to tell him. That he was speaking, <laughs> he didn't know. 
So he found what a tribute was, and he put together some stuff in like literally two minutes. So um, so he walked, you know, he walked, he's called up, and he, you know, I think he wrote like two words on the paper. He walks up there confidently to the podium, and he delivers the most amazing tribute. And I'm like, I'm shocked. I'm like, I was with you the entire night. I know you were not practicing a speech, and, you know. And he delivers the most. He just he tells stories about his childhood. Uh, growing up in Jamaica because he lived with uh, our grand grandparents when he was young, so he just told stories. And when he came down, he sat back next to me. I'm like, "How'd you do that, Jason?" He's like, "Those masters." So literally the week mm-hmm. after I came back for, from Jamaica, I looked for the closest Toastmasters club, and there was actually a Toastmasters club where I was working at the time, and I immediately joined. It's a World Financial Center Toastmasters in the American Express Tower. So that mm-hmm. was a, a situation and a story that inspired me to become a Toastmaster, and I've been here since then. So let's just talk about that other Toastmaster you just referenced. Do you know the club by any chance that he was a member of? No, but he's in St. Paul, Minnesota, so he was in some club. I'm not sure. I I love... Talk about a story that illustrates the power of Toastmasters. This is the funeral of someone's grandmother where it's a tribute to her life that he has to give. And he stands up and does that. What do you think about Toastmasters enabled him to do that? He definitely learned the technique of telling personal stories. Uh, so, mm-hmm. again, he just spoke warmly of his childhood and how what it meant to him and what she meant to people in the community. And it felt like he was having a conversation with the audience. So I think he, I don't know how long he stayed mm. in Toastmasters, but he picked up that one technique of people mm-hmm. connecting stories. And he, had, he was very I'm, confident when he went up there too. So. And that matters. Now you said that the first time you were in Toastmasters, you were a bit of a passive Toastmaster. You were that quiet one that people like me always like to get our eyes on and I'm determined to bring them out of their shell. Were you as passive the second time around? No. Or was it a different experience no. for you? I came back with a vengeance. I was aggressive. Oh. So this was a very, <laughs> it was a very big club. So probably it met every week. We had, if we had 80 members, that mean we had like 30 people that attended each meeting. And you really had to be aggressive with getting roles. And I made a name for myself of being just reliable. So every week I would go to the meeting and I made sure I had a role. And that kind of made a name for myself. So sometimes when people would drop out, um, you know, the officers would reach out to me and say, hey, do you want this role? So that's what, you know, I came back very aggressive. What made you decide to bring that level of commitment to your Toastmasters experience? I've got to say, as a former president of a club, how come you didn't join mine? We've got amazing members in my home club, by the way. But boy, every single member that is that one that says, I'll do it. A, a diamond ring. That's what that that's what that member is. What made that shift in your attitude? I mean, I just admired the way my brother spoke at our grandmother's funeral when I wanted to, I wanted to be able to speak like that and I, I didn't feel like I would be able to get to that level if I was a passive member. I had to practice. So the best way to get good at something is to do it. Why was public speaking though so important to you? Was there a relationship between public speaking and your job performance? Was there a relationship between public speaking and where you wanted to go professionally? Or was it just that you were kind of in awe of your brother and were like, okay, I want a copy? It was a combination of both. Uh, 
pretty much throughout middle school, high school, it was I, I just very uncomfortable public speaking when I, I had to do it. I had mm-hmm. a very bad quiver. My voice would tighten up. My throat would tighten up. I, my whole body would shake. It was just very, very mm-hmm. uncomfortable for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's always been the weakness I would bring up in any type of review I did, you know, at work. And I just something I wanted to get better at. And then, oh, yeah, of course, I was inspired by my brother, you know, to be mm-hmm. able to pursue my public speaking, you know, my public, you know, improve on my public speaking skills. Talk to us a little bit about what it felt like as you were involved over and over and over again to feel a change going on inside. Or did you have any change go on at all? Oh, no, definitely. Uh, it definitely it felt amazing. At the time that I joined Toastmasters, it was kind of a dark time in my life. Uh, I was in a job which just kind of felt like a coal mine. It's so... Um. Coming, I remember actually my first my icebreaker I gave, and you know we got the, the feedback slips, and I was on the train reading the you know reading those slips, yeah. and like all the, the nice things that people said to me, and I was like I actually cried because you know during the day I'm in this coal mine and I came to Toastmasters that was so warm and supportive, um, so mm-hmm. it felt like I was kind of more of a human again, um, just to have that supportive group around me and just to see my evolution as you know as the time went on that year I saw myself getting a lot more confident with public speaking. I had less nervous habits. So I saw myself, I felt myself growing. And so that was a pretty good experience. Brene, it is amazing to me how frequently I have heard stories about people working in toxic work environments or in toxic familial situations. And Toastmasters is the only place where they're hearing something positive about themselves. We have had a prior guest on this show, former Toastmasters International President Pat Johnson, who said that Toastmasters was the first place that she ever received a compliment in her life. In her life. And here you are, echoing a similar theme. I was working in the psychological equivalent of a coal mine. Talk to us a little bit about whether the confidence transformation that having that light of positivity that Toastmasters was representing to you had on your professional life day to day working in an oppressive environment, if it did at all, did that confidence seep over into how you were perceiving yourself as an employee there or the leadership that you were under or any other facet of your life, particularly in this terrible work environment? (laughs) Well, I mean, it was kind of the culture of the environment. So for me, Toastmasters was something I looked forward to and made kind of going to work a little bit um, more manageable because a lot of times I was late, but I always had Toastmasters to look forward to each mm-hmm. week, so it made it manageable. And eventually I left the job, so I think uh, it kind of helped propel me to, to eventually leave. Yeah. So. Yeah. You have been a leader in Toastmasters in a number of different capacities, as we mentioned at the top of the hour. And in my opinion, work environments are ultimately determined 
by the leadership. Is there anything about the Toastmasters educational process and your engagement with it as a leader that you feel might help you as you progress in your career develop alternative leadership models for cultures that are underneath you? Yes, definitely. Everything I learned about leadership came from my experiences as Toastmasters. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think in, in work environments, they really teach you how to manage, but they don't mm-hmm. really teach you how to, to interact and communicate with people um, to kind of help them reach their potential. That's interesting. What to you is the difference between management and leadership? Management is mo- managing processes and things, and leadership is empowering others to reach their potential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did it feel to become a president of a club, looking back on yourself as the young woman who was a passive Toastmaster all those years ago. It felt amazing because I think a lot of times growing up, I saw leaders as these extremely charismatic, very talkative people. So sometimes I didn't Mm -hmm. see myself as a leader, as more of a quiet, Mm -hmm. soft-spoken person. So Mm -hmm. Toastmasters definitely gave me that confidence to uh, step into leadership and I just learned so much transitioning into being a president. Uh, one of the things I learned is to kind of how to have a team want to, you know, kind of be engaged in working with people, is helping people to reach whatever goals that, you know, in their life. It could be with Toastmasters, how I could help them become a better Toastmaster, or if there's someone, you know, that needs help in their professional lives. You know, they someone's looking for a job. So helping people out. I'm also listening. A lot of things aren't going to be said explicitly to you, so you have to kind of, you know, figure it out. Um, and also, I would say engaging the team. You know, if someone has something they're passionate about or if they're, you know, something that they really enjoy doing, trying to put them in, into that role. But I definitely gained a lot of my confidence to be a leader from being in Toastmasters. Um, and I remember that specific year with Harlem. I kind of, I just kind of stepped into it. I was actually the VP of R, and I didn't really want to, I was voluntold into the position of VP of R. And I was very, I'm, at the time, I was horrible with social media. Like, I, I didn't have Instagram. I used to call myself social uh, social media inept. And I was voluntold. Well, I, I <laughs> I've got to interrupt there. Do you have an Instagram account now? No, yeah, now I do. This is three years ago I'm talking about. Okay. And, and does your club have an Instagram account? Yes. I'm, okay. I, I just wanted to celebrate that for a minute. Thank you. <laughs> Please proceed. <laughs> <laughs> this was three years ago. I have a lot more pictures on Instagram now. <laughs> but because Harlem, they had an Instagram account and they had, you know, it was a website and they didn't meet up. Like this stuff I just didn't mm-hmm. do well with. So I really wasn't engaged in my job. But what happened was that uh, we were losing our meeting space and we needed mm-hmm. to find some place else to meet. So that's when I kind of took it upon myself to go check out a couple of places. And also what happened, I think a lot of the senior members had left the club. So it was kind of like, I felt like it was on my shoulders. Like if I don't do something, you know, the club's going to, you know, either move someplace and, and be ruined or they're just going to fold. So I was able to find a couple of good places for us to meet. Um, we're now, um, we have a good, we have a good location. So that's how I kind of came into the leadership. I just kind of fell into it. And I took the leadership role as the vice president of uh, public relations. The president kind of mm-hmm. allowed me to do that. And then the next year mm-hmm. I ran for president. Um, so I just kind of fell into it and I, I really I evolved. And that confidence has transitioned over into 
other aspects of life. Um, I became a Rotarian a couple years ago, and I hit the ground running. Like, you know, there's projects I wanted to do, and, you know, I've, I was friends with the, the fellow, my fellow members, so they gave me the, the go-ahead, and I just hit the ground running with leading uh, probably two or three events since my first year. So it's transitioned into many different aspects of my life. A couple of things embedded in everything that you said that I want to just explore a little bit more. First of all, you mentioned in passing that your view of leaders was what is admittedly something uh, that a lot of people think of when they think of a leader, someone highly extroverted, someone talkative, a big personality, hyper charismatic. As you stepped into leadership, did you suddenly become that hyper energetic extroverted, loud person, or did you find yourself shaping the position to who and what you are or something else altogether? How did you navigate that social expectation with who and what you are as a human being? I definitely stayed true to myself because that's not who I was. So actually I had a VP of E that was very extroverted. So she was kind of the energy person, but I was kind of the the anchor. And what I did was just, I think as an introvert, I like one-on-one you know, conversation. So at the beginning of the meetings, I would come in early and just introduce myself to the guests, you know, have a connection with them. Um, I was just, I stayed true to myself and I tried to really, like I said, help each member that came into the club, each officer. And I think people really felt like I cared. And, you know, I've heard feedback that I inspired people by the way that I led. So I think just being true to myself um, was inspiring to the club. And I, I, I found out I don't really need to be this extremely extroverted person. Uh, to be a leader. so Authenticity. You mention it in a leadership context, yet also authenticity. I don't know what your philosophy about this is, but many people's philosophy is that it's the key to really connecting to the audience as a speaker too. Am I sensing that maybe you see a continuum of some sort between speaking skills and leadership skills, or are they totally separate to you? What are your thoughts? Oh, no, they, they feed into each other. Uh, they, you know, communication feeds into leadership, uh, I feel, because it's not what we say, it's how we say it. So I definitely feel uh, the, the, the leaders that I've had in my life that have communicated with me in a very supportive manner, I've really you know, done the best in those positions. And I try to be, oh, I try to take into account how the people I'm working with, how they like to be communicated to. But I think most people in Toastmasters are kind of on the introvert side. So that supportive mm-hmm. communication is very important. Yeah. You mentioned that you are a Rotarian. Yes. We have had a big-time Rotarian as a prior guest on the show due to the partnership that Toastmasters has with the Rotaries. Talk to us a little bit about what being a Rotary Club member has been to you and to what extent you feel that the skill sets, the missions, or any other components of Toastmasters and being a member of the Rotary Clubs has brought to your life and that there is more generally? Yeah, definitely. So I was actually invited to a Rotary meeting by a fellow Toastmaster at the time. Um, Rotary. Yeah, so it's all, all connected. So um, I'm part of the Rotary Club of Harlem. And I, I started volunteering with them about, i say, three years, and I officially joined about two years ago. And what... What I think the connection is between Rotary and Toastmasters is that it's the 
like-minded people. It's a network of like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And it's about leveraging the network to reach your goals. So you know, whether, you know, in Toastmasters, you're going to become a better public speaker or leadership, you leverage your network. You, you leverage the community around you to do that. And it's the same thing with with Rotary, where you're leveraging the community to, you know, do different service projects. So I've, I've you know, I've been a great asset to the team, and um, now I'm actually the treasurer. I'm, on, I'm an officer for the Rotary wow. Club of Harlem. So I was very seamless transition into stepping into leadership because of the confidence that I built being a Toastmaster. I absolutely love it. What is the favorite speech that you have given at a Toastmasters meeting? Oh, man, this is a tough one. <laughs> I'm grilling you, Brene. I'm grilling you. <laughs> Maybe the speech I gave last night. <laughs> Talk to us about it. So the speech last night. So sometimes I just get inspired by speeches. So... <laughs> I've been known to kind of encourage people in the club. Sometimes I call on people to do table topics because, again, I was that passive member when I was in college, yeah. that kid from table topics. And you're not going to really, you do learn by observing, but you're not going to become a better speaker if you don't come to the meeting and speak. So I've yeah. been known to call on people, and there is a couple other members in the club that are, uh, you know, very good at volunteering people, and a lot of people complain about it. <laughs> so I wrote this speech called There's a Purpose in the Push. And basically, it spoke um, the story. You know, I, there's a couple stories I, I told. Um, I, I kind of related it to how I, I was pushed. You know, as a kid, my mom pushed me into a lot of different things, and I kind of related to how when I joined World Financial Center Toastmasters, I had people mm-hmm. pushing me. Uh, so the president of the club, when I was in World Financial Center Toastmasters, always made sure that my name was at the top of the list for table topics. Mm-hmm. So she made sure I was always speaking. And then mm-hmm. I remember my first evaluation, they had me evaluate like a really, he was a very strong speaker. Like he went to the division contest, very solid, charismatic speaker. He could pull a story out of his pocket and have the whole, you know, that was my first person I evaluated wow. and how much I struggled with it. But um, one of the guys in the club mentored me and said, you know, you're not really evaluating the person in front of you, you're evaluating yourself. And that kind of helped me yeah. build my confidence. So pretty much the speech was about when, you're being pushed as an honor and it's serving a purpose greater than we know. And some of the feedback I got after this, the speech was that one woman was like, I'm actually going to sign up to be an evaluator now because she's been running away from the, the role. So I think people now, um, I think it was just inspiring to the audience when, you know, there's people in the club that are pushing you it's for your own good. So I would say that's the probably my favorite speech because it really felt like I really inspired people to be better and, you know, to kind of on the road to reaching their potential. As someone whose own career is ascending, what benefits as a longtime Toastmaster would you say are there for someone who is a few steps behind you and can't decide if Toastmasters is really right for them or not? Honestly, I wish I had continued with Toastmasters out of when I graduated college. Um, I would say that a lot of times, again, being a fighter person is that you could you can have a lot of value and you can do a lot of work, but if we're not able to communicate it, if we're not able to speak up at the meetings, if we're not able to do those presentations, no one's going to know what we do. And no one knows what we do, they're not going to see our value. 
No. So I spoke about this in my speech last night. That I spoke about, you know, my first job at college, you know, I got laid off and it wasn't because of performance. It was because I didn't know how to seek mentorship. Um, so the managing partner of the firm was at the Syracuse University alum like myself. And, like, he would try to make conversation with me, like, hey, Brain, you know, did you see the basketball game last night? You know, why didn't you come by my office and talk about it? And he really wanted to mentor me. But because I was kind of oblivious and I didn't really know how to seek mentors, yeah. like, I struggled. I was good at, you know, going to work and doing work. But yeah. it's about navigating the people and, and being able to communicate your values so everyone knows yeah. what you do. So I would definitely say if you want to go far in your career, if you want to reach your potential, if you want to go fast, I say, you know, join Toastmasters. It's going to teach you a lot of skills that are going to transition into the workplace, whether it's, you know, dealing with people or, you know, doing workshops, communicating effectively, because we can have the best ideas, but if we can't communicate it so other people understand, then, you know, no one's going to really know, right? So it's just, it's a great asset to have and will definitely help you to ascend in, in your career. It goes as to an interesting challenge that many people have when they leave a collegiate environment and enter into the workplace, which is that most people in that situation have spent their entire lives in academic settings. And so performance is reviewed and assessed on how well you do on exams usually or how well you can write an essay. And you're making a good point for a young person, which is that that really measures your your performance on either intellect or work ethic or a combination of them both. But it doesn't measure performance based on the value you bring to the organization that is assessing you. Your value as a student to a university basically is you're paying tuition. I knew that was coming. (laughs) That ain't the value that you are expected to provide in interpersonal relationships within a professional environment or to your job. They don't care how smart you are or what your grades were or any of that stuff. Talk to me a little bit about that that the importance of value and maybe a little bit more about um, how you learn that and what exactly Toastmasters can encourage people to do to heighten that sensibility when they're walking into their jobs. Yeah, you definitely make a great point about there's definitely a transition from academia to the professional world. And what Toastmasters, you know, what I've gotten from Toastmasters is is that, again, that supportive environment, that mm-hmm. community of people that you can, you know, talk to, like, you know, and that can uh, kind of be your coach. And, uh, you know, learning that, I, I say that in my first couple months with World Financial Center Toastmasters, which is a club I rejoined seven years ago, I probably accomplished more in the first few months than I did in an entire year with the club wow. I was in college because I just didn't have the same type of mentor. So. Yeah. I think that says a lot. You'll go further and faster if we have great mentorship, if you have a support system, if you have a team. And that transitions into uh, the workplace because you definitely, everyone that's in a, a very high position, or sometimes you see people that are not, you know, the most qualified for the job, they're there because someone mentored them and put them in that position, right? So, so it's good to okay. mentors and sponsors, <laughs> right? It's, uh, it's the truth. 
Yeah. We keep it real <laughs> on transformational <laughs> pathways. <laughs> Brene, if there is one speaker and one leader that you admire, one apiece, who would those individuals be and why? Well, it's both Oprah Winfrey, as I love her motivational speeches. She just, she honestly just inspires me with, you know, dedicating her life to, uh, I guess, a, a purpose greater than herself. So she's mm-hmm. someone I've always admired. She kind of actually kind of propelled my, my uh, dedicating my own life to service. I mean, I've always been into community service. It's something that's you know, passed down from my grandma, but really just dedicating my life. Uh, so she's definitely someone that I admire too. And as a speaker, she's very engaging. Like every time she does speak, I do listen from beginning to end. And I will admit mm-hmm. sometimes I can't listen to everybody <laughs> from beginning to end, but I could definitely <laughs> listen to Oprah. I love it. Brene, it has been great having you on the show today. Thanks for joining us and for sharing your story. For those of you listening or watching, if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and and leave a review or a comment too. And don't forget to follow District 46 on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And if you're new to Toastmasters, check out Toastmasters46.org. That's Toastmasters46.org to learn more about us and visit one of our clubs. Because Toastmasters is where leaders are made. Thank you so much for joining us on Transformational Pathways. If you enjoyed today's episode or got anything out of it, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're interested in learning more about Toastmasters District 46, check out the link in the show notes below. 